This episode of Juice Guru Radio is brought to you by Try Best, making healthy living easy, and our new book, Juice Guru, Transform Your Life by Adding One Juice a Day. Welcome. Welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak. Hello and welcome. Welcome to another edition of Juice Guru Radio. I'm your host, Steve Prusak. And today's show, we've got Scott Stabile. He's the author of the new release, Big Love, The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart. We're going to find out how to love bigger, better, and how love is our greatest healer right after this. So grab a juice, some water, some tea. We'll be back right after this with Scott Stabile. Here's another Juice Guru approved products. Hey there, Juice Guru tribe. Here at Juice Guru, we've tried a lot of juicers, but the one we've chosen as our absolute favorite for the last three years in a row has been the Try Best Slow Star. Order your own at the Juice Guru tribe discount by visiting our website at juiceguru.com. Try Best Slow Star makes healthy living easy. Get one today. Hello and welcome back. Welcome back to another edition of Juice Crew Radio. I'm your host, Steve Prusak. And today we've got Scott Stabile. He's the author of the new release, Big Love, The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart. His inspirational posts and videos have attracted a huge and devoted worldwide audience. He's a passionate speaker and love advocate. And he runs day-long empowerment workshops nationally and internationally. And by the time he's done with me, he'll be doing it online. Let's welcome to the show right now, Scott Stabile. Hello. Thank you for having me, Steve. Scott, thank you so much for being here. You know, we've been wanting you on the show, so thank you for taking the time today. Absolutely. So tell us about your journey and how, uh, you know, the role, I guess, we're going to talk about big love and that, what's that played in your life. We'd love to hear about your journey to start uh, spreading the wisdom about this. My journey, let's see. Uh, when, I was a, no, <laughs> when I was a wee boy, no, I mean, my, I would say my, you know, my journey in my life, the most profound event that happened to me in my life was when I was 14 years old and my parents were shot to death in their market in Detroit, which obviously um, completely changed everything about my existence. Uh, I was the youngest at the time, the youngest of seven kids. So lucky to have siblings with whom I was very close um, to help during that time. And, you know, nine years after my parents' death, I lost my brother, one of my brothers. He had been addicted to heroin his entire adult life, and he OD'd on heroin and died. So there's been a lot of of family trauma, you know, in the earlier part of my life, for sure. And it wasn't until my 20s, kind of early to mid-20s, when I, I graduated college, I moved to San Francisco, I got a job at a new age gift store in the Bay area and it was my introduction to the new age, I guess, you know, it was my introduction to the idea of enlightenment and the idea of love and peace as a mission in life outside of career and money and all these things. Um, It was the first time I was started reading books, you know, self-help books and spirituality books and meeting people who were really committed to being more uh, compassionate people, you know, and talking about it and working on their, you know, their path and their pain and their healing and all these things. And it was, for me, it was my first introduction to it in this way, but I felt totally at home. Like this felt like, okay, I get this. This feels good. I like this. 
So that's really, I feel like when my, uh, my journey to love started in a different way, in a more conscious way, you know, dealing with the loss of my parents was all I did was lock it away and bury it. And that felt more subconscious than anything. It felt like a survival instinct because I don't think at 14, I, I don't know how I would have handled it differently. I don't think I could face the grief and I couldn't really face the rage I felt. I, it, I, it could have buried me, frankly. So something in me knew like, okay, let's put that away, move on with your life. And once a year I had a really good cry and then would move on with my life and was a really good student and had lots of friends and went to a good college and all of that. Um, and it wasn't until I moved to San Francisco and started this job and was, uh, you know, that I awakened to a different potential path in my life. And I, what I was learning through reading and what was really resonating with me was that part of that path is rooted in love and the energy of love and understanding that no matter what's going on in our lives, we can still choose to operate from a place of love. And what I started to see is the more often I made that choice, the more meaning I would find in my life, the deeper the connections I would establish with other people. And just, uh, it was life-changing, really. Well, you know, they say from hard times, good, th- good things come, or from small things, big things come. But, you know, what, what, a, what an awakening or what a journey uh, to experience that is such, you know, the, as we're going into the prime of our life at 14, mm-hmm. and then to bury it, which I think a lot of people do. And I think a lot of people bury it and, and maybe spend a whole lifetime not even dealing with it. Whatever that trauma is. Absolutely. I think uh, that's the choice of many. I mean, the first first chapter in Big Love is called Dig. And the point of that chapter is to encourage people to do exactly what I didn't do at 14. And I'm still thankful I didn't do it at 14. But in my 20s, I really started to. And it's the, the, the idea that we can be honest with our pain you know, rather than trying to hide it, rather than not acknowledging what's real inside of us, um, because human beings, we're so afraid to feel uncomfortable, you know, so we're numbing ourselves constantly with things, we're escaping constantly, simply to avoid being present with sadness or grief or rage or whatever it is that's going on inside. And what I found in my life, in my experience, is that when we when we build walls to feeling, we can't be selective about those walls. If we're putting a wall up to keep from feeling our darkness, we're putting a wall up to keep from experiencing the breath of light as well. And it was only when I really started to allow for my grief in a different way and allow for my sadness and allow for whatever it was happening within me that I started to see I was also at the same time allowing for so much more beauty and so much more connection and so much more light in my life. So to get to that place, is there a a process of letting go of that anger or dealing with that grief in a different kind of way to unravel the love or to get into more of the light? What was the process for that like? For me, it was just about feeling it. You know, I, I think that I'd spent so much time hiding it and not feeling it that I don't, I don't really believe in rules around grief and rules around healing. You know, they say they're the seven stages or the six stages. And I think grief is a pretty, uh, it's, it, it can't be enclosed in a box. And we all experience our grief, however we're experiencing it. And I really believe that that's okay. I don't think that we, 
Um, it serves anyone to put pressure on them to go through a routine in their grief because then we're going to end up feeling like we're doing something wrong in the midst of this overwhelming grief to begin with, which is already enough to deal with. So for me, the process was just like, you know, I, I think that we can, if we're open to being with our pain and if we're open to the possibility of healing, we are going to be shown countless paths to that healing. So for, I like good books, you know, I love podcasts like this that dive into the human experience. There are any number of teachers and resources out there, but if we're not open, you know, if we really don't want to face who we are from an honest place, no number of podcasts and books and resources out there is going to make any difference if we're shut down. So really it's just about openness. You know, it's about a dedication and a commitment to our healing. Um, And with that commitment, you find your way there. Well, I know a part of your journey was discovering self-love, you know, the acceptance of yourself and, and the, what that means in your <clears throat> teachings. And so how can we all benefit from loving ourselves more? Oh, my gosh, in countless ways. I mean, one, I want to say that I don't pretend to be someone who's always loving myself either. And I don't pretend to be someone who's always loving everyone else. I'm very committed to operating from love. And I, I really, I'm always asking myself, how can I bring more love into this moment? But I can be a jerk like everyone else. And I'm certainly self-abusive like everyone else. I mean, our minds go so naturally to self-criticism and the inner critic. Um, but the benefits of self-love are endless and profound. I mean, we basically, if you want to live an authentic life, if you want to live a life of truth, that practice is rooted in self-love because if we're not connecting to ourselves from a loving place, we're not going to feel comfortable living truthfully. We're not going to feel comfortable showing up in the world authentically. So self-love fuels fuels those choices, fuels that decision. It fuels how we present ourselves to the world. And I think as you know, and as anyone knows, whenever we're, whenever we're operating from this place of real truth and authenticity, even if it's fleeting, um, it's such a powerful place to come from and it creates a space for others to operate from that place as well. You know, we live in a world now where self-love is is hard for people, especially when we look at social media and the world we're living in and mm-hmm. people are posting things and, and showing how great their life is and people are experiencing things like uh, jealousy or why isn't my life that good? Or maybe they're seeing lives that aren't that good and feel better about themselves and just kind of like cycle or circle of uh, negativity that comes with it. How do we overcome that and avoid uh, the negativity that comes with much of what's being thrown at us every day? You know, I don't know that, I don't know that we can avoid it because it's everywhere. And I don't know that we need to avoid it. I think that we're well served by figuring out ways to find more peace within it and to take care of ourselves within it. I mean, in terms of social media, I think we all know that people tend to put forward their best face on social media. And it it is easy. I mean, with Facebook and Instagram, there is a lot of, of envy out there and there is a lot of negativity people are feeling by seeing these curated lives that aren't perfect, obviously. But what I've, I've had a very, a profoundly different experience on my Facebook page and in my Instagram feed because I've made a commitment in, in my social media world to share the pains, the insecurities, I, to share like the full reach of my story and not just like the good stuff and the triumphs, but everything. And so I, what I notice 
is whenever I'm sharing that, whenever I'm sharing my insecurities and my fears and the hard stuff, it's always when I get the most comments on any of my posts. And the comments are always like, thank you. It's good to know I'm not alone. Or I want you to know you're not alone. And what we do, so one of the ways we can deal with if we're overwhelmed by these picture-perfect curated social media things, we can show up in a different way. You know, we can show up with a little more vulnerability. We can show up with a little Mm -hmm. more willingness to share the full story and then connect with others who might bring that same sort of willingness. So then we're creating a community of people who are able to say like, I'm struggling a lot of the time. You know, I don't have it all figured out. And, and we realize that that's everybody's story. No matter how perfect your Instagram feed looks, we're all struggling a lot of the time. No one has everything figured out. And let's connect to each other from that place and see where we can go. You're listening to Scott Stabile right here on Juice Guru Radio. Is the author of the new release, Big Love, The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart, available now at bookstores worldwide, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, all the usual places. Isn't that right, Scott? That's right, yeah. And uh, what's your website, just so people can have a look at, at the work you're up to and, and, and see where your workshops are uh, taking place? Sure, my website is scottstabile.com, so it's just my name.com. And then I encourage you, if you're drawn to, find me on Facebook, because that's where I do a lot of my stuff. <laughs> okay, great. And we'll have a link up to that at juicegrewradio.com under the show notes for this show. And if you're in the academy, you'll get that in there too. So, Scott, you talk about fear. Um, how do we get in touch with our fear and start to overcome that when a lot of us could be blind to what our fears might even be? Well, if you're anything like me, getting in touch with your fear is pretty easy because <laughs> I'm afraid all the time. <laughs> You know, I think we're confronted with our fears all the time. And I've, what I've learned is to have a very different relationship with my fears. So some of the more common fears, fear of change, fear of being judged, fear of the unknown. Um, you know, I used to always see my fear as this bully, this tyrant, and I used to cower to it all the time. And I never really considered that my fear is really just trying to protect me. That's fear's job. You know, it's not out to hurt me. It's out to protect me. It doesn't want me to be judged and to be condemned and to be afraid and all these things. Um, but it doesn't always do its job very well. You know, we're, we've evolved to have a lot of fear of, for survival. You know, it's been necessary in our lives and it's still necessary. But the, what I've noticed about my fear is it, it views like running into a burning building the same way it might view needing to have an uncomfortable conversation. You know, fear sees it as something scary. So it's like, don't do it. Avoid it. You know, don't submit your, your book proposal. You could get rejected. Don't do it. You know what I mean? It's, it's always saying no, 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 but from an unintelligent place most of the time. So one thing I, I encourage people to consider having a different relationship with their fear. Now I don't view my fear as a or as a bully as much as like a pain in the butt little brother, you know, a five-year-old who's always nagging at you and tugging at your shirt and like crying out all these complaints. And I've become much better at kind of shooing it away, you know, listening to its complaints. You know, I, I'm a creative person and I, I share my creativity with the world. So there's always fear involved. Anytime I put anything out there, there's that voice of like, people are going to hate what you're saying. People are going to judge you. Um, so I, I recognize, look, my fear is going to have a say, but I don't allow it to have its way. It can have the sidecar, but it can't have the steering wheel. And the more we do that, the more we see that the fear doesn't necessarily disappear. It's always going to be there, but we can still move forward and make brave choices in our lives. And despite our fear and with our fear. 
So what's the journey? When we pick up your book, you know, we're, gonna, we're going into it with wherever we are on our journey. Where can we expect to be at the end? Uh, when you're talking about big love and self-love and love for others, wh- where can we expect from this journey? Well, I mean, Big Love is a collection of personal essays, first and foremost. So it's, it's a memoir in that way. Um, and each essay focuses on a, a, an experience in my life that pulled me from my center and the tools I use to find my way back. And some of those experiences, like the loss of my parents, are very heavy. M- many of them are everyday experiences, you know, like being on an airplane and being provoked by something that happens. And, you know, what I hope people come away with from the book is a few things. One, that they feel less alone in their journey and less alone in their struggle. Um, I hope that they consider choosing love in their lives more often. Because what I found out is that when I was looking at all of these chapters, and one of the chapters focuses on kindness, and one focuses on compassion, and one on forgiveness, one on authenticity, one on shame, when I was looking at it all, it always came back to love. You know, it was always like, I found my way back to center by reconnecting to the love that I believe is at my core and at all of our cores. Like love was the force that was always walking me home, even though it looked like kindness, but kindness is nothing more than love in action. Forgiveness is nothing more than love in action. Like all of these all of these profound, beautiful things that we're experiencing in life, when we trace them back to their base note, we're likely to find that at the root, it's love, the energy of love. And so I hope that people uh, will connect to that in, in what they're seeing. And also remember that you, might, you, you don't have my grief. You can't connect to my exact experience, but you have your own grief. Like people are so much more alike than we are different. And when we remember that and we make ourselves available to putting ourselves in another person's shoes and connecting with people through empathy, it's life-changing. And we're living in a world and in a country that is desperate for empathy. It is, we are void of empathy in so many of our dialogues that are happening out there. And we have to take responsibility for how we're showing up to those dialogues and what we're bringing to them. I was just going to bring that up because there is so much division in the world right now in this United States. And uh, how do we uh, deal with that and overcome that? A lot of anger, a lot of more so than ever before. How do we uh, address that? We address it by looking at how we're showing up. You know, I look, I see anger as anger can be a very positive catalyst. When I'm angry, it's usually because I'm something feels unjust you know, if I'm being angered by something, especially in the world, it te- it's often about an injustice. So as a catalyst, anger is great. I don't think anger is ultimately the healer. Like anger alone is not going to get us to the other side of anything. It's just going to fuel more violence, more rage, more disconnection. But if you're, if you're on social media and somebody is posting something enraging and they're doing it in a way that isn't friendly, isn't kind, how are you choosing to show up to that dialogue? Are you adding more fuel to that fire or are you choosing to step back and imagine what it's like to walk in that person's shoes? Imagine what it's like for their, for them and their lives and their struggle, and then choosing to show up to the conversation with more compassion and with more love because it's, it's super easy to complain about how everyone's communicating and to complain about the division because it is, it's heartbreaking. But if we're just showing up the same way and raging and being crazy, we're only contributing to it. You know, Steve, ultimately, I believe all we can take responsibility for is ourselves 
in our own actions. And that's why I really, what I'm encouraged by is that as de divisive as it is out there and as dark as it is out there, more and more people are stepping up and saying like, I believe in love. I believe in connection. I don't believe we're that different. I'm going to make noise for these things. I believe in speaking up when I see injustice. And I believe in spreading light. And more people are doing that. And so I'm encouraged at the same time that I'm disheartened. <laughs> you know, John Lennon said, love is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, said it, he said it. You know, he said it in the song Mind Games, but the Beatles said it too, and it came out, all you need is love. I mean, that we these are themes we know. And when you went into those stores earlier on, um, like the New Age stores, reading those books, and what were some of the processes that you were doing? Was it meditation? What kind of things were you doing in your daily practice to help you get into touch and evolve? What would you say were there, like the top three things maybe? Well, I mean, writing is a great source for me of of personal exploration. So now I'm not even just talking about writing things that people can read. I'm talking about when I'm feeling enraged, can I vomit some of that energy out of my body and onto the page and see what's really going on? I think we're, you know, I really encourage people to, <clears throat> excuse me, to explore themselves, to figure out like what's really going on, what's the, tr the deeper truth. In writing, you would be amazed if you start to write and you think you don't have a sense of things or you think you don't remember things, but you start to you know, get it out there, you'd be amazed at what new realizations you'd have. I'm a big fan of meditation. I don't do it as regularly as I would like to, but I think meditation is a great way to go within and to find peace. I, I like to take long walks outside. And, but I, I really also want to encourage people to find what works for them. Because I've, in my experience, if we put energy into figuring out how to feel more whole and more grounded and more at peace, we're going to find the things that work for us. That might mean meditation for you. It might mean yoga for someone else. It might mean dancing your butt off in your apartment a half an hour a day, you know, but what works for me isn't necessarily going to work for you and vice versa. So once we figure out what works for us, then it's incumbent upon us to make time in our lives to do those things. So more than anything, I just try to make space in each day to do the things I know I love to do. And part of that is like getting out of my apartment. I'm a writer, so I'm alone a lot and I'm in my head a lot and I'm inside a lot. And I find that by the end of the day, if I've spent all day indoors, I'm almost certain to feel off. And, and it's like the moment I step outside, something shifts. So if you're finding yourself doing things that it's not allowing for, for more peace, more happiness, more fulfillment in your life, look at that. Think about how you can shift it. You know, what new things can you integrate into your process to create more potential for peace and joy in your life and then do those things. Now, the name of the book is Big Love, The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart. Scott, who did you write this book for? Oh, I think for all of us, because I mean, I wrote it for people who are struggling out there to make sense of this unpredictable reality and their own experience within it. So I, re I really believe it's for all of us in that we all know, we all know everything. We're all, I, I see human beings as the ugliest of the ugly to the most beautiful and everything in between. You know, we all feel envious and jealous and we all feel joy. We all want love. We all want to give love. We all want the same things. So the book is, is for everyone. Right. We're more alike than we are different. I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, that whole isolation thing or thinking that, well, 
or the idea of people needing you to be just like them. So people will find things to say, well, you're like that. I'm like that. And then, you know, finding the common ground, isn't that part of it? Well, absolutely. I mean, we all, we all want to feel accepted. And so one of the ways we try to do that is to, like you were saying, figure out the ways in which, well, I think we do that in a negative space is when we're trying to fit into a mold of how we think we're supposed to be. I think the positive of it is, is from the empathetic place of recognizing that we are all, we really are all alike. You know, so I don't want to be a light. I don't want to be like you in terms of like how you're how you're choosing to dress and what kind of car you drive and stuff like that. There's there's really no value in chasing after those similarities, but recognizing like you are a person like me who wants love in in his life and who's probably doing the best to give love to other people. That's a powerful way to connect with other people and their similarities. Great, Scott. Well, what are your plans uh, for the future? So now, you know, we've got a book tour coming up. What, can you uh, share with our viewers and listeners what you've got going on and how we can, again, how we can stay in touch? Again, we'll have the link up at the website and, and we said Facebook, but uh, can you tell us about what you've got uh, planned for the future? Yeah, sure. I mean, I can tell you what I have planned for, for the now. I mean, the book just launched last week, so it's, it's brand new. And I had my first book event uh, last night in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, so it was wonderful. It's kind of like the hometown event to launch it all. And I'm, I'm leaving in a few days to go on the road and I'll be in, uh, in LA, your part of the world on Tuesday uh, the 19th for an event at the last bookstore. And then I, I, on my website and on Facebook, all my events are listed. So really uh, my, my time right now is really focused on big love and on, you know, getting the book out there and sharing that message. And yeah. Great. Well, anything we didn't touch on or that you want to share on how we can live bigger, better, and, you know, really heal ourselves from love, any take-home points or or I I like to say anything that we haven't touched on or that uh, you can say to anyone that's just starting out on this journey? Final words of wisdom or advice? Sure. I mean, there's so much that could be said about all of it, but I would say to people, you know, just starting out or wherever you are on this journey to, to remember you're not alone. Um, that's helped me so much in my life, especially when I've been in the darker, more painful places to remember that that the struggle is real and you are not alone in your struggle. And I really want to encourage people to be gentle with yourself. Our minds naturally go to self-abuse and the inner critic is brutal. But especially if you're, you're starting out on a path of healing and growth and uh, more self-awareness, you're going to become more aware of the parts about yourself that you don't like as much. So it's really important to just be gentle and to remember you're human, like all of us. It's Scott Stabile, author of the new release, Big Love, available bookstores worldwide. I'm your host, Steve Persag, and thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at juiceguru.com. Until next time, get your juice on.